We got another four-week series over the book of Philippians. It's the first series as a church where we're going to look at a book from the Bible. And I'm going to try to give you as much as I can in 30 minutes because I know how it goes. I can't keep much more attention after that either. And the rest, I hope you try to chew on in between week to week. It's a short book. It's four chapters. It's real easy to read at home. So I encourage you to digest it today and go back and read the same chapter today. And so four weeks, four chapters. Today we're going to go over chapter one. It's a more of an expository uh, sermon where we're going to expound the, the text as we go through it. But we'll keep it interesting and figure out a way to apply it to now too. Because God's word always has practical application as well. But we're looking at Affection from afar. It's a series of letters that Paul writes to the Philippian church, the book of Philippians. We call it an epistle or a letter. It's actually what is called a, a vignette. It's like, a, it's like little poetic writings that Paul wrote, Paul the apostle wrote from his imprisonment on house arrest when he got in trouble again for preaching the gospel again. The guy goes to prison all the time for preaching the gospel, but he keeps on doing it because he knows that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That he counts it easier to die in the name of the Lord than it is to continue ministering, but to show that he loves others more than himself, he says, I will keep doing it and suffer for my Lord's sake. So the book of, Philipp so the book of Philippians is to the Philippian church. This was the first church that Paul planted in Europe. Uh, Philippi was a colony in Macedonia or modern-day Greece. Nice beaches, really. I bet there's good food there, too. We'll have to go sometime. That is the whole church. The whole church will just go? All in favor? Who's paying? <laughs> just kidding. The church was planted in Acts chapter 16. And y'all might know that story of Paul and Silas in the prison cell. But Paul was called by the Holy Spirit when he was ministering all over where to go next. And he said, you need to go to Macedonia. So he landed in Philippi. And there's, in Acts chapter 16, if you want to read the pre-context, the prelude to where we're at here, you can see that he witnessed to a, a woman named Lydia. And she got, she got baptized and she believed on the word and she offered for them to stay at her house while they were ministering because it was Paul and Silas and, and Timothy. And then, and then there was a, a, a spirit of divination in this, this fortune teller girl along the way, on the way to the house. And they cast out the devil out of this girl. We've, we've actually preached on that message before. And the magistrates, or Popo, didn't like what he had done because he's saying Jesus is king of all. They didn't like that, so they threw him in jail because they didn't know he was a Roman. So they threw him in a Roman prison. And we all know the story that at midnight, Paul and Silas were singing songs, man. At midnight, they weren't crying. They were rejoicing. And it said the foundation shook and all the doors opened and all the prisoners were free. And the jailer was so freaked out that he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my life. I, I don't, can't face the consequence of letting all these prisoners go. And Paul said, no, let me give you the word, son. And he gave him the word and he was baptized that night. And that was the beginning of the church of Philippi. Pretty cool, huh? You didn't know that the gospel could be preached in a jail so and foundations would, would, would shake the walls open. That's pretty crazy. But like we know, God does crazy things when it's God. It blows our senses. So here we are now, when he's writing these letters, he's responding back to the only people in his writings he's ever shown actual affection 
for. He's, he's afar off, and he's showing affection for a people who have affection for him. And if you read all of Paul's writings, this is the only one where he has kind of a, a friendly, like they're my friends. I care about them as people. They're like my friends, my family. He, he has a different demeanor in this letter. It's called a friend letter, the style in these vignettes. And he's writing in response to um, Epaphrodites, who's a Philippian who brought him some money while he's in jail so he could live off some cash money so he could still get his Starbucks while he's, you know, he could do the card and maybe they, they do the shipped delivery from Deerbergs and Deerbergs gets his Starbucks and brings it to him. I don't know what he did with the money, but the point is Epaphrodites brought him the money and he was writing back to the church saying, thank you so much. And while, while I got you, let me tell you about my experience in this life called prison. So that's where he was writing from, a place of isolation. He was somewhere God knows where. And the Philippian church cared for him so much and were so thankful for what he did in their colony that they sent him money. And they wanted to know that they were thinking of him. They were praying for him and they were actually suffering with him still while he was in prison. They were suffering the afflictions of spreading the gospel because it still wasn't going very well in a Roman-controlled colony up in Philippi. So they were continuing where he left off. You know when you plant a seed, that's why it's one seed. I may plant a seed and then somebody else takes that seed and they plant three more seeds and there's seed being planted even when you feel like you're in prison. Something's still happening. Even when you feel like you're isolated, something's still happening. It's not always as it appears. It's, it's, it's easy to remember today that the thing God has set out to do in you is not limited by your situation. That's Paul's thing. He never let his situation limit his purpose that God had for him. He laughed it off. I mean, he was singing songs at, at, in prison at midnight. Who does that? Because he knew his situation did not control the promise and purpose God had on his life. Nothing was going to stop God's work if it's God's will. Paul's faith never ceased. He always remembered his purpose above all. And too many times we think we're locked into a prison of our own. We've got our own issues. We all got bones in the closet and we think we're in this prison, but fail to see that God is still working. He's still doing things. Just because we perceive it one way doesn't mean it actually is so. He's not only doing things through you in those moments, but he's doing it through others that care about us, that are praying for us, that are thinking on the things that we shared with them and we don't even know that they're out there doing the will of God because of something we did according to our faithfulness when we hit our low point. The good news, though, about seasons, like Paul's season in prison, again, is they're temporary. When you think there is no hope, God will position others to be there for you when you feel hopeless. That's why community in a church is invaluable. If you don't have community in your church, there's something wrong because the church is to be there for each other. You need each other. We need each other. I need you. You need all of us. We all need it together because every one of us is going to have times when we feel like we're in prison, like Paul. And we have to remember, wait a second, that's my mind playing tricks. I got people who love me, who care for me, who are praying for me, who want to see me succeed. They're out there, but we have to stay cognitive that it's not always what it appears in that moment or situation. God will position others to be there 
remain and remind you of the things he is doing even when you feel like you're at a total standstill. He'll remind you. I encourage you this morning to look beyond the current setback you may be facing and know that God is working for the greater good in your life and those lives that you're impacting because of your faithfulness to Jesus Christ. So today we're going we're gonna to scoot through chapter 1. And I can't give you all of it because we'll run out of time, but I'm going to give you most of it. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 through 11. If you have your Bibles or we'll have it on the screen. This is the opening to Paul's letter to the church. He says, verse 3, I thank God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. See, he's got an affection for these people because he was there with them. He went through the grind with them, Mike. He went through the dirt with them. He went through the setup with them. So we're there for each other, right, my brother? We're there together. He's been there with them. So the affection, the bond is there. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, after being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's saying, remember the mission. Verse 7, just that it is right for me to think this all of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. I lost my place. Yes, verse 8. For God is my witness. How greatly I long for you all with the affection. Everybody say affection. Of Jesus Christ. God has feelings. God has feelings. If you look through the Gospels when Christ was walking the earth, there were feelings. The Spirit of God has feelings. We were made in His image. We have feelings. God has feelings. And He was, he was well pleased, it said. And, and, and He was pleased many times. Jesus got angry on and on. And Paul has an affection for people. He has a feeling for his people. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge, in all discernment. That you may prove the things that are excellent, and that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. See, they're giving them a hard time. The people are getting a hard time from the colony, the government. So he's trying to remind them, stay strong. If I can do it, you can do it. If I'm in prison, you can do it when you're not in prison. And remember your conduct and remember your mission. To the day that Christ completes this effort. To the return of our Lord. That you may prove the things that are excellent. Verse 9, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. Verse 10, excuse me. Verse 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. We are to mirror Jesus. The title of this message in this affection from afar series is Beyond the moment. Beyond the moment. Look to your neighbor and say, beyond the moment. It's beyond what you see. Things are not always as they appear. And my situation does not define my purpose. We all have situations, and if we let them define our steps, we wouldn't go very far. Because everybody has to deal with some junk sometimes. It's how you handle it. It's how you deal with it. My situation doesn't define my purpose that God, who created the heavens, set out on my life. It's crazy. 
But it's easy to forget that when you feel like you're in prison. When you feel like everybody's against you. You feel like they're looking at you, but they're not with you. You feel like they're laughing at you, and they're not laughing with you. You feel like they're talking about you, but they're not talking with you. You know what I mean? We're in that kind of world. So it's easy to think that. It's a, it's a comparison culture. It's look at me. What do you got? Maybe I can do better than you, and I don't like what you have, and, and I, now I don't like you, so I'm going to talk about you and all these things. And it's, it, we, don't, we don't need to do that, and that's the world we live in, so it's easy to feel like the world can be against us when we're the odd man out. But the good thing is, just like Paul's situation, situations are seasonal. They always have an ending. Always. Paul, in verse 3, no matter what, the initial reaction in everything he did was thankfulness. Gratefulness. He never was bitter. He never was angry. He always gave Thanks. You know how Paul died? It was brutal. He still gave thanks. Apostle Stephen, he died the same way. It was brutal. He died with stones. Paul, I think, was fed to lions. And it was, it was brutal. But while Stephen was falling to the ground, he was praising his God. He never forgot what God was doing. But it's hard to give thanks when we feel abandoned. We feel like God's not answering. I got another sermon I just finished, and I can't spoil it now, and it's actually our next devotional on the YouVersion app. But it's the same thing. It's, where were you, God? You didn't do it the way I expected you to do it. Now what? You left me. And it's easy to start buying into the hype. Then you start telling yourself some lies, and then you start believing them. And then what happens? It gets worse, and that's where the devil wants to just take a hold of your mind. But it's so hard to give Thanks when we're isolated in our own prison or hell on earth, some may call it. But we have to remember to be grateful and remember that things are happening even when they don't appear to be. What I've planted in good seasons in my life in others will come back to me now in this lonely season. They will be there for me. And when, they don't feel, when it doesn't feel like they're there for me, God is still there for you. But there's others for you. It's never as bad as it seems. So quit telling yourself there's no hope because there is always hope. There is always hope. The season will always end. Others are praying for me. Planting because of my leadership. When we spread a seed, it's the mission of the church. The one seed at a time. When we spread the seed, the seed cultivates among the people and it keeps growing. It's collective, it's a team, it's a body. We all shall be blessed for sharing the gospel to someone else. It's all our job to mirror Christ. We are to mirror Christ. Paul was hardcore about this. That's his, his MO. And grace continues to work in those near me, lifting me back up when I don't have the strength. Some of y'all know a friend of ours, Vic Vota. How many know Vic? Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Vic is 71. Most of my life, all I remember Vic doing was being a missionary in Taiwan, Philippines, China. He planted a church in New York. The guy was like Paul, man. He was just popping all over the place. So take a break, brother. You're going to burn out. You need a break. He says, no, i got to preach the gospel. And he just kept going and going and going. And he just had his 50th wedding anniversary that we went to a couple months ago and you would not believe 
the hundreds, I would say thousands of people that this man has touched through his witness over the decades. Like 40-something years, I think they said he's been in ministry. That's hardcore. But see, he never counted himself out. He always recognized that one seed he would plant remained valuable because look what it did. All these churches blossomed all over Asia because of when he went there to start it. He didn't finish it. He started. He planted. He kept the mission going. And when he had his downtimes, there's times where his health wasn't so good. There's times where his wife's health wasn't so good. They had to pull back. But the mission continued because of what he did. And guess what? His church came back, was praying for him. We're putting, putting prayers on him. We're, we're praying for God to bring him through and to bless him. And they were there for him the same way. There was an affection there between him and his church, just like Paul and the Philippians. There was an affection a bond. We need that community in our church. It's vital for survival because we all are human and it takes more than that to survive. And community is built upon how we handle these situations like Paul. We need someone to remind us of the good things we have. When we're, when we're saying how bad our life is, we're speaking all that negativity, we need someone to say, come on, man, be thankful. Look at this. Look what God did here. Remember you'd had this. Come on, Job. Remember this? See, it happens to even the most faithful. Job was the most faithful, and God tested him too in the Old Testament, and he came through, but he, he hit a pretty low point. He almost crumbled. He needed support. He needed um, Eliphaz to get him together and tell him, hey, hey, remember what you said to others. Now I'm saying it to you, Job. We need that support in these situations of isolation, and Paul was the spokesman of counting it joy in what the world would call the worst circumstances. My situation does not define my purpose. And God will finish what he started through you, even if it's by someone else. Guy Rome. God started something in Guy Rome. Some of y'all know Guy Rome. He's been dead for many years. But he changed the world within his ability, and his mission still carries on to, the, to this day. We are in this together. Don't be discouraged. There's people thinking of you. There's people praying for you. There's people praying together for you. There's more than one person praying for you that know that you need him, and they know you're in pain, and they know you're in suffering, and they know you're dealing with a setback, and they know, and they're praying, and they don't have to tell you because God knows, and God is working in your setback. We have a light called Christ that is stronger than any dark season the devil could try to throw at us. Any dark season we could throw at ourselves. You know it's not always the devil's fault, right? Sometimes it's our own fault. And we want to, it's always somebody else's fault sometimes. No, sometimes it's just me because I have this habit of being negative. We have to break the habit. What the devil likes to do is capitalize on the habit. I, I, feed, I feed the source. I'm going to be negative today. I'm going to talk about every bad thing that could go wrong, and then I feel really bad. Why is that? Because that's all you talk about. Come on, you all know somebody like that, right? Not just me. <laughs> I'm talking to myself, too. It's easy to get caught up in that, and I have to remember, what are you thinking? Look what God has done. Look what God is doing. You get complacent. You get comfortable, and then you start forgetting, and you think your situation is 
the worst. But nobody had it worse than Paul. The guy had a rough life. And if he can count it joy to suffer for the name of the Lord, we've got a good blueprint on how to handle our situations. We're going to go to the next passage now of Philippians 12 through 18 and talk about that for a minute. It says, verse 12, but I want you to know, brethren, that these things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard when he was in that jail and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. You can't bind me. My chains are in Christ. I'm going to sing at midnight because I know this, man, you know, but they didn't until until the foundation shook, the doors opened. They said, okay, I believe him. And they were baptized that night. Verse 14, and most of the brothers in the Lord having become confident in my chains are much more bold to speak the word without fear. That's cool. I don't know if you've seen this. I see it a lot. Is I see someone come in timid and a little time goes by and they start getting the word in them and they re- when they realize the Lord is my strength, I have nothing to fear. The confidence starts growing and they start speaking life. Speak life, speak life in the pouring rain. Anybody? Every time I talk about Toby, nobody claps but me. Nobody likes Toby Mac. It's because I got four kids. I love Toby. You know, he's like in his 50s doing that. I mean, come on. He's like Paul the, the rapper. Anyway, I digress. You grow in boldness. Because your confidence is not of yourself. It never was. But when you recognize, uh, you, know what, you, know why I can, you know why I can say anything up here and not feel scared? It's because I know it's Jesus Christ. I don't have to do this alone. And there was a period where I'd take a pill. I'd take an anxiety pill because I grew up with anxiety. I grew up playing the cello. I grew up singing in front of people. And I was terrified to talk. Figure that one out. I'd shake so bad that my neck would twitch. And I, they're going to see me. I'm serious. Same thing when I talked to girls. I was like 15. I get up scared. Mommy, give me some pills. I can't do it. I was getting so nervous. I was seriously anxious, man. So my mom got me these pills when I was about 15. I've talked about it. But there was a period in this church where I said, that's enough. I don't need that. How silly. I'm claiming the strength of the Lord and I'm still taking a drug to fix the problem. Does that make sense, Jim? No, that don't make sense. The Lord is my drug. The Lord is my strength. He rectifies the problem. And the moment I said that to myself, haven't had a problem since. It's been gone. Because I remember where my strength lies. It's when the weight feels heavy is when you forget where your strength is. When you start thinking it's you and you're the strong one, you're going to start feeling weak. It'll happen. It'll happen over and over. You're going to remember after a few times when you remember God is your strength, you're going to forget again when you're in chains in prison. Go, how am I going to get out of these chains? But Paul never forgot. I totally lost my place. Verse 14. And most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident. In my ch- Okay, yes. Much more bold to speak the word without Fear. We become confident and we speak the word that we impression on someone else's heart. Verse 15, some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife. Okay, their motive is wrong, he's saying. And some also from goodwill. 
They have the right reason to preach Christ. The former preach Christ from selfless ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains. They just want to give me a hard time. But the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. I don't give a rip. If Christ is preaching, it's a good thing. If their heart's wrong, but they're speaking God, God will give the increase. If they're dogging me because of what I do, that's what Paul said. He says, it's okay because they're preaching the gospel. The gospel is getting further. I don't, I don't have a problem with it. I don't, it's not about me. It's about him. It's not about me. It's about him. Paul never forgot that. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. People thought he was crazy because he just always kept a good attitude. But Paul, your life's, you're in, you're in chains. You're, you're on house arrest. You're in prison. Again, you're going to die soon. He said, I'd rather die. That's, that's the easy way out. But I love people like my God loves people, and my life is to be a representation of Christ, so I will go all in for Jesus. The goal never lost focus. The goal doesn't lose focus, is what he's saying. So, y'all probably don't know this, but in my day, I started a few businesses. Many didn't work. One particular I had a wise, great idea, my wife just loved it, that I would start a maid business, a cleaning company. I don't know, I don't know, Jim, I don't know why I thought that was a good idea. I look back and go, that was crazy. But I thought, you know what, I gotta at least put Jesus on it. I'm gonna call it Maids of Grace. Maids of Grace, isn't that nice? It flows, Maids of Grace, get it? Jesus, grace, he is the, you know, by through grace, my faith, you know, scripture. Anyway, and I thought, we're gonna just, Bring in some bank. I'm, I'm a computer programmer. It's a really weird combination. But I'll be programming, and then I'll have some people cleaning some houses, and we'll be bringing in this bank, and everybody's just going to love it. It's going to be so great, and there'll be no issues. I've never done that type of business. I'm a techie. I don't know about that. Looks easy. Got all, the, got all the bells and whistles. Got some jobber to pay people. Got it all digital, direct deposit. It's all good. Until I got the first job, and they hated it. They wouldn't pay. 20-something dollars. I was so desperate for business just to get my foot in the door. I said, we'll give you two hours free. Just let us come clean your mess. Nasty mess. Scum. Ooh, it was bad. I'm just going to say it. Wasn't like I thought. But I wasn't doing the cleaning. I had my girl Amanda. She was, she was, she was top dog getting it done. And then they didn't want to, they didn't want to pay. It was um, quickly something I realized was not for me. Uh, people, people mean. I'll, I saw, I go back to my cave on the computer, if you know what I'm saying. I don't want to deal with that. They are mean over like $30. Like, let me give you a real bill. See how mean you get. Because that's mean for some $30. She did clean your mess. She cleaned your mess. That's what you call it. So I said, okay, okay, Michelle, we can't, we can't do this. She didn't want me to anyway. So Maids of Grace quickly ended after it started. And I thought, what a failure. What a complete waste 
of time. I learned so much through that that it totally is what fueled a lot of the initiative in this church. And that's just one of many, I hate to say. You can go on Secretary of State and you'll find my name a little more times than you want to because all my great ideas over the years. But that's one of them that was a complete failure and I learned so much from dealing with such ugliness. Wow, I didn't know people could be like that. Okay, now I know what not to do. And I grew. And I grew. And it, you want to talk about anxiety. I remember I get the emails from the people and my stomach would sink. And I'm like, I'm getting nervous over a $30 bill. What is wrong with me? I'm not scared of these people. I don't want to respond to them. I don't want to do this. I quit. I quit. I'm going to run and hide. God was pruning something. Eventually you get numb to it. But so much good comes out of what we perceive as a failure that things are not always as they seem. My life didn't come out the way I wanted it. Things are not always as they seem. Do you know God brings good from bad situations? Do you know he doesn't cause the situation, but he brings good from it? Do you know good was happening while Paul's in prison? Do you think he said, I want to go to prison and sit there? No coffee? I mean, what kind of hell on earth could that be with no coffee? Come on. You know? It's dire straits. I'm so suburbanized. I just showed my superficialness right there. It's a joke, people. I could go without coffee for a couple hours. Anyway, it was rough, but Paul never lost focus of the goal. And remembering why we serve the Lord in dark seasons is critical. The goal shall never lose focus. When you stay focused, the devil can't hurt you. It's when he distracts you. You stop stepping, you start falling, you start hurting, you start feeding on that negative. Paul's suffering built awareness. Because even though he was trapped, they were talking about him, saying, did you see what he did in that prison? Man, I'm a believer now because of him. Who would do that? Who would suffer to that level unless it must be God? Who could do this miracle except God be with him? On and on the gospel showed. Same for Christ. Lives can and will be changed through your tribulation. It's not just about you. We're vessels in good times and in bad times. And not everyone understands your heart for Jesus right now. And they give you funny looks. And they don't, they don't understand that it's sincere and genuine and authentic. And that you don't do this because you get paid. And you don't do this because, because it's, it's always fun. You do this because you feel like people need the gospel for their, their life and their eternity. They don't know that. They think it's a show. But Paul says, that's okay. It's just a matter of time. Because the gospel is still penetrating their heart. Even when they want your time for the wrong reason, the gospel is spreading. The Lord told me to come tell you that you should do this and you should go do this. And okay, whatever, man. Hey, do you know Jesus? Uh, no, I don't, but the Lord told me. <laughs> so you just, you never know. You keep speaking the word and you'll, you'll wade through the waters of the artificial. They became envious of you. They don't like it that you're happy. They don't like it that you've got joy that they really want, but they're too prideful to come find it for themselves because it's for everyone. So they're going to dog you for it. They're going to say you're part of this, you're part of that. What happened to you? 
oh, you left us, you abandoned us, on and on, but they're really crying out. So rejoice that God is working on their heart when you receive that kind of persecution. Be thankful. The goal is still on target. My situation does not define my purpose that God has for my life. These little breakthroughs are what lead to that boldness to speak Christ confidently. That's when the gospel starts rooting on good soil. The parable of the soil. It roots doesn't go by the wayside. You're building leaders through your example. Even when you think they're not listening, you'd be shocked what my kids, they'll say something. I said, you heard that? Oh, I gotta not say that so loud next time. They're like sponges. People are receiving more than you think. When you think nothing's happening, it's not always as it appears. When they start sounding like you, like your kids, y'all know it. What's my, what did, what did Kaylee do? The goat? <laughs> I have a problem going, oh, come on. I do that all the time. She's playing with this goat last week at the Grant's farm. <laughs> and the goat's being a little rowdy. She's three. And she could get the bottle in the goat's mouth. And you hear her in her own little baby tongue. Come on. Uh, where'd she get that from? And it was like aggressive too. It was just like, it was great. <laughs> but it was cute when she did it. People are listening. People are affected by your witness. But don't feel like you're at a standstill because you don't see it the way you think it should be. God is still doing something. The last three verses, four verses we're going to cover today, at the end of chapter one. Verse 27 through 30 as Paul exits this letter before we get into chapter 2 next week. He says in 27, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Oh, snap. My conduct has to be worthy of Christ? The gospel? What? I just say, I just say I, I follow Jesus. That's good enough. No, he says. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm not with you and no one's looking or you're by yourself, I may hear of your affairs and that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. You mean I'm supposed to mirror Christ in everything? Yes. But I don't want to and I don't want to. I want to be worldly too. He says, if I'm with you or not, it's not about me. It's about you mirroring and standing fast on this word. Whether I'm with you or not, whether I'm alive or dead, it's about you holding fast this word. It's between you and God. And you're affecting somebody else in the process. You're changing lives in the process. It matters. I didn't say it was easy. But Paul says, it matters. It's not easy. Our conduct for Christ I got to say it, I, I've, I've justified reasons to lose my Christianity a few times, especially on load, long road trips. I can be a little not so patient, Nate, in the car, but I'm working on it. I got a little better in my 30s, and by 40, it's a rare occurrence that I get, you know, you know, you know how somebody, the people drive bad, and they just, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not the only one, I'm not the only one, deer in headlights, my wife hates me right now. Sometimes it's easy to justify to go back to that behavior because you feel like it's time to vindicate what you feel. But it's not your job 
to cast a judgment and vindicate what they did to you. And it's not easy, but that's what Paul says here. Remember your conduct. Do you look like Jesus? As corny as it sounds, it works. WWJD. I say it all the time because it works. Do you remember your conduct when you're outside of the realms of your church peeps? When I'm around them, I act one way. When I'm around them, I act another way. When I'm in this place, I act this way. Paul says, whether I'm there or not, whether they're there or not, your conduct is to mere Christ, period. Let our conduct be an example. Our conduct be an example always. We can't justify to limit our conduct only in good times. That would be the easy way. That's like saying, I'll be faithful when it's good. And when life sucks, I'll, be, I'll go back to doing what I want. That's not how it works. And that's not where you grow. That's the easy part. It's easy to do something good when it's fun and easy. It's hard to do something well when it's hard and takes a little bit of stretching. You got to stretch. Paul says, keep your conduct at the center. My life is to mere Jesus. You are suffering this affliction with me as you carry on the gospel while I'm in prison. And our life together is to mere Jesus, whether I'm with you or not. Purpose doesn't waver under pressure. Rejoice in your suffering. Christ is preached. Serving Christ is not always fun, but there is a reward gained through our faithfulness. Amen? My situation does not define my purpose. And there's strength in numbers. You need your community of believers. You need your church. That's why we have a church. If we didn't need that, we wouldn't need to do anything. We could just do you two. That's why it matters that we're together. Because you need strength from your peeps. Consistent reputation. How is my conduct? Let me stand steadfast on the word and support those in your church. They need you and you need them. When someone's gone, I miss them. I don't know if anybody misses me, but when they're gone, I miss them. I really do. I feel a void in my spirit each week. And I feel an extra void. It sounds crazy when we actually go out of town. I feel like I miss something because I have an affection for you all, I have affection for Jesus. I have affection for people. I have affection that is a bond that I know Christ is doing things to lives. So that's exciting. Come on, who's excited to see God move and change lives? It's, they're changing. Their lives are changing because of you all. Your witness. When you leave here today, the littlest things, they're changing. They're receiving a word by your witness, even by your actions, more than just your words, your conduct, your life, your demeanor. Seasons will vary among our members here. That's why we need each other. When Nate's in the trenches, maybe I won't be. I'm gonna lift up my brother. When I'm down in the dumps, Mike's gonna lift me up. When I'm hurting or you're hurting, someone's always there praying for each other. That's what Paul is saying here. That's why there's such a deep affection because he knows the value of community. If y'all could stand with me, we're going to close this morning. And again, this is our first expository style of really going through a lot of scripture. So I know y'all aren't used to it. It takes a little bit of a workout to get used to all that word because your brain just starts spewing it out the side. I know how that feels because I'm that same way. That's why I got a D in English. It's like, wow, I need to be here. I'm just going to go. That's when I could drive. I just walk out the door. I drive away. I come back. <laughs> Oh, school. It's a good thing. We're learning something here. We're learning about the church of Philippi. We're learning that our situation is not defined 
does not define our purpose. And if Paul can do it, we can do it today. It doesn't define what God is doing with me because that happened, because they did that to me. We have to quit living by the limits of my mind, our mind, and remember to live by the promises of God. They'll surpass any situation, even prison cells. When God needs to shake the foundations of your life, he will, and the gates will open because you remember where your strength is. Relinquish your fears right now and know Jesus is doing a good work in you. God is doing a good work in you until the completion of it when he returns for his people. He is working in you, even in traffic, and you're going five miles an hour, and it takes you two hours to get home, and you start wanting to say something you normally wouldn't say, and all these things. God is doing something also then. His time is not ours. Look beyond the moment this morning and remember the goal is to share Jesus. Let's bow our heads and pray as we close this Father's Day. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. We're so thankful for all the dads who have stepped up as men in their children's and wives' lives to help lead their families. And we're so thankful for the moms, too, that have to carry this weight as well. There's moms doing double duty. We're so thankful for the leaders in these families that we will mirror Christ to, to them in all situations, even when our times don't feel good. We are going to mirror you. Our conduct is going to be a faithful one, a joyful one, a grateful one. We will shout praise to your name in all, seas all seasons, even to the end. Let us go through this week and show the world that we are different, that we conduct ourselves differently because our strength is not of ourselves; It's of you, Lord. And we ask you to touch us right now. And if the house of God can say, in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>